we're going to get started with our um, study on First Peter, um, as we did last week. Um, we are going to um, take a look at uh, these questions together, as opposed to you know breaking up into tables when there is no tables. <laughs> Morning, Herb, and uh, get a chance to. Uh, really interact on these things. I, I, I want to kind of do it together. You know, so many times we, um, have, as teachers, have spent quite a bit of time trying to think through these questions, and maybe we don't either facilitate them or get them in a way that allows us to interact on these because they're really important as a tee-up for our conversation and discussion for the morning. So, um, and, and probably much more from the perspective of, a, of an application and uh, just context. And you know, I think I think I find it very, very valuable to um, get everybody's input, kind of on their perspectives on some of these questions, because I think that I mean, God works through people, and that's what we're here to kind of learn from one another about. So, uh, who was who was not here last week? I guess I'll ask that question. Who was not here last week at all? Okay. So, um, long week this week. Um, I've had very little sleep, so if you see me nodding off, it's not because of the of, of the content. Let me tell you, it's just uh, have not been able to uh, get much sleep at all. So, um, but uh, God's been good, really good this week, and uh, just have seen so many op- uh, ways that He has um, worked in amazing ways, answered prayer. So I, I just want to testify to His goodness today, and we're going to talk more about His goodness in our time together. We'll open up your Bibles to First uh, Peter chapter three, uh, verses thirteen through seventeen. I want to tie off on last week a little bit first, um, and just talk about what we saw, what we learned. You know, the theme last week really, um, uh, the theme last week really was um, found in in those verses from the Psalms, right? That uh, speak of um, two things. Um, what, what, are, what are the two big things that uh, are the themes from last week that we talked about? Kind of in the question number one, right? <laughs> Give you a little help because you haven't had your coffee yet this morning, okay? Okay, to, to experience abundant life and to see good days, right? Experience abundant life and see good days. So when we think about that, um, uh, what what... Uh, how, do, how is that, how do we actually, uh, what does it mean to experience abundant life? Um, or savor abundant life, I guess is the best word I said. Experience good days, yeah. The word savor brings out what in your mind? Enjoyment, joy, um, fulfillment, living it to the utmost, right? Um, okay. And, and when you think about that, um, and you think about abundant life, um, I know up on the screen, or up on the whiteboard last week, we put a number of words up there. What were some of those words that we put up there last week and uh, talked about? Um, good morning, Dave. Um, that, that, that would characterize abundant life. If, joy. If, joy, fulfillment, contentment, peace, rest, fruits of the Spirit. What else? Anything else? I mean, some really major categories, right? That I mean, when we think about like our life in Christ, when we think about like eternity with the Lord and with one another, I mean, I can't think of a, a more powerful set of um, value propositions 
than to experience that um, in Christ. Um, what, what did I say were the two things that overarch that, um, that, all those categories? Do you remember those two things? Wrote those down? Yeah, but, but in order to do that, in order to experience abundant life, what do we have to have in place very clearly in our lives? Have the outcomes that we just talked about. Yeah. Okay. Holy Spirit's the enabler to make that happen. Okay. But I said that there were two M words. Meaning and mission. Meaning and mission. Yeah. Meaning. So, so let me help you. I'm going to come back to this. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there, there's your answers. <laughs> so meaning and mission. And what is meaning then? What, what does meaning mean to us from our lives perspective? Purpose. That's exactly what it is. Purpose. It's, it's a reason for that which we live for. Right? A reason for what we live for. Okay. And so if we need to have meaning um, in our lives, what is it really for us? What's, what, is, what is meaning for us as believers in Christ? That we live for what? God's glory. God's kingdom. Not my kingdom and my glory. Okay? That we live for God's glory. And that is, as we all know, something that I have to individually, day by day, moment by moment, make decisions in my life, personally, about um, pleasing the king. Pleasing who I want to live for, personally. Okay? And then, uh, mission. What is, the, what is mission, then? If purpose is the why I live my life, mission's about what? Okay? Mission is about um, how, what and how. What and how. So, how I live it is, is really going to be um, uh, uh, in obedience to the Word of God. That's it. In obedience to the Word of God. So as I think about purpose and meaning, it's kind of the umbrella, right? And if I think about, like, mission, it's about, like, okay, which game am I in? <laughs> and why am I in that game? You know, I mean, it's like, what, what am I in for? You know, um, do I have the idols of my heart that I'm pursuing in hot pursuit? Or am, is my idol really um, Christ and the cross and his magnificent obsession, my ma- magnificent obsession with him and him alone? Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, okay. And then we said, to see good days. To see good days. We said, he's writing to who? A whole bunch of people who probably aren't seeing good days, right? And so, how did we deal with that? What does this mean? How can they, and therefore us, see good days? What does that look like? I mean, what's the definition of good? That, that the days are good? Obviously not, right? Yes. So when I make personal decisions in accordance with the word, with the construct that God is sovereign, God is sufficient, He is the one who will take me through this situation, and I do it in the process, I submit to you on the infallible word of God that we can experience good days, even times of suffering and testing and great persecution. Why? Because Peter said it, God's word said it. God promises us that we can have Purpose in the midst of those things. Okay? Purpose in the midst of those things. See good days. Um, okay, well, how did we say we were going to do that? What are the four things that allow us to accomplish that in our life? Morning. Okay, so the first one, 
How do we savor abundant life? And how do we see good days, even though those good days may or may not be, quote, good? It's the, our ability to navigate those things with excellence. For the glory of God, not my kingdom. And so, how do we do it? First and foremost, is attitude. He says, we need to have the right attitude. And our attitude, according to verses 8b, is that let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. So in the process of navigating these things, as we demonstrate the right attitude, this has supernatural uh, effect upon the, the people who are involved in this situation. And so those five categories, first and foremost, harmonious. What does harmonious mean? Remember? But, but lack of con- what did you say? Lack of conflict or unity or same think is the words we use. Same think. It, and so when we said, you know, well, I don't think we're not all supposed to think the same way. Oh, really? Like if we're tuning our tuning forks, you know, to, I mean, if we're tuning our, our instruments to the tuning fork, which is Christ, I mean, don't you think we're going to be harmonious and complementary and... You know, all, all the parts of the body working together towards a common purpose. Last time I looked in the Gospels, that's what <laughs> we're supposed to be doing, right? And dissonance comes when we don't. Um, okay? Uh, sympathetic. Sympathetic. What does that mean? Okay? Feeling. Intense feeling for that person. Compassion. Okay? Compassion. Um, it's to enter into the pain and the feelings of other sinners. Not from a judgmental perspective in their lives, like... Oh my goodness, like you're going through that? <laughs> but it's to like go, I, 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 but for God, I'm a, I, I, I experienced the exact same thing. And, and who am I to stand in judgment of that person? Let me come alongside you and be with you in the midst of your great pain. That's a different perspective. And, and, and that allows you know, really um, you know, the church to be, to be all it can be. You know, from the standpoint of a hospital for, for sinners. Um, okay, uh, brotherly. Brotherly, what's brotherly mean? Okay, love. Sacrificial love for one another. Yeah. Um, kind-hearted. Kind-hearted. The kind-hearted wells up this concept of feeling the same within the, your, your stomach and your, kind of your, your intestines. It's kind of like the feeling of the same way. And so it's the way in which we actually um, feel one another's um, situations. Maybe not necessarily, I mean, certainly the, the cool thing that God does is that since he has called us to these things and we have navigated them maybe well and maybe not, okay, we still have the, 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 the incredible privilege to be able to use our learnings, good and bad, for the purpose of coming alongside one another and helping them through those things. That's the cool thing. And then last but not least is humble in spirit. Fifth category is to having the right attitude in our lives in order to, um, in order to um, savor abundant life, experience good days, is to be humble in spirit. It really means humble-minded. It really means to have the same mind of Christ and, and not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. It's really to literally um, you know, be in a place from a standpoint of, of you know, we, we talked last week that God says he dwells in two places. Or he chooses to dwell in two places. One is the third heaven, and one with those who are who are humble in spirit. I want to I want I want to dwell in intimacy with God. Um, so the right attitude. Second is the right response. Right response. He says, 
not returning evil for evil, because that's the natural thing that we would want to do in that situation that's come upon us, right? Second is to um, give a blessing um, instead. And we said the word blessing in this verse has to do with the word, the root word we get eulogy from. It's fascinating. So he says, give a eulogy to them. <laughs> it's like, speak highly of them. I mean, you don't go to eulogy and you're the one giving the eulogy and you, and you like trash the person who just died. <laughs> That's not, the, the family would not appreciate that, okay? So when we speak highly of those people, it, it's so easy to speak down of them. And by the way, this isn't just to those people. It's to the people all around the situation too, okay? Um, for you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. The third um, thing we can do as to having a right attitude, right response, is to have a right goal. And the right goal here, he says, is to um, keep from speaking evil. And on top of that, to turn away from evil and do good, and then to seek peace and pursue it. I've just been so um, committed personally in my own life and um, attempting to share it with everybody who will listen, um, that the one of the primary outcomes of the Hebrews 12 passage about God's discipline in our life is that we live in a place that we are not at peace with all, all men. And God, like a bloodhound through the Holy Spirit, is going to track us down and try to make that resolved and move that forward. And I've just seen from my own personal experience you know, what God does in my own life from that perspective. And so that's something that I just really am, am passionate about, trying to see happen in our lives and it's it's everything from family you know to work situations you know to um friendships the you know church etc so um have the right goal what's my goal and then last but not least my motive um for the eyes of 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 the lord are upon the righteous this idea of the fact that he he, it's upon the righteous is the idea that he's for the righteous and, and the cool thing about this is, why is he for the righteous? Um, it's, it's that he would answer our prayers, that he would hear us in the midst of the, the, the challenges we're in, that when we're in the midst of the situation, that he is listening <laughs> and to all our cries for help. And that's the cool thing. And the eyes of the Lord really speak of his like care and compassion, his, 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 his ever-watchingness to all the things that are happening. And that he is intimately involved with his eyes in my life. That's a cool thing. Um, and then also he says, um, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so this is the judgmental component of God's character um, here. Um, so how do, we, how do we save our abundant life? How do we experience good days and turn them from what I would call bad to good days? It's by having these things. The right attitude, the right response, the right goal and the right motive of our hearts. It's to please the King of Kings. It's, to, it's, for, it's that we would do this for His glory, even though it's tough to go through and do um, at the end of the day. Okay. Um, so, do you believe that our society is losing its meaning and values? Um, first of all, let me just ask that question. Do you believe our society, <laughs> our culture, is losing its meaning and values? Good morning, Pat. Yes. Yes. Okay, if so, how? Let's talk about how. Selfishness. Selfishness, okay. Greed. Promiscuous. Dishonest. Anything goes. Relativism, okay. 
Perm, 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 permissiveness, okay? What else? Okay, the, the fact that the government is making wrong decisions. Wrong as in... Gay marriage. Okay, wrong as in gay marriage. Abortion. Yeah, it may, uh, le- uh, taking God out of the schools, <laughs> taking prayer out of the schools, taking both of those out of everything that has the bastions of some of the things that maybe our, our country was founded on. What else? Yeah. Yes. Come with us, whether you like it or not. Swallow hard, you will be assimilated. <laughs> right? What else? The big areas, right? I'll tell you, I, in all my in all my life, I've never seen this go at the light speed it's going in. Never in all my life. I, I thought no way could this ever happen to this country. Okay, so now what I want you to do is zoom out. We all think of ourselves as American citizens, right? Zoom out. Take yourself to the world now. We're going to be asking you in global outreach here in a second or two, in a couple of weeks too. Look bigger than the four walls I live in every day. So go bigger now. Is our society losing its meaning and, si- and, and values? Okay. Is it, is, it, is it happening in a way that, um, that is uh, against the kingdom and the glory of God? Yeah. Sure. And has that been happening? Is that worse than it is here? Most places. Probably, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. So if that has been going on for some time and is in that trajectory, what do you think is coming for us? Other places? Yeah. Tell us more. Church is vibrant. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, evangelical school programs, Bible. Yeah. I want to build on this in just a second. Because. Let me just make a comment, okay? Most of the people in this room, okay, are, are not global citizens. Don't navigate and go throughout the whole world in lots of opportunities to do that necessarily. Um, we tend to travel here a little, quite a bit, right? But, um, you know, a deep mar, I'm just looking around the roads. You know, probably you guys are probably the best candidates to give us, you know, perspective on that. So let's come back to that in a second. Um, I want to talk about that. So what are some of the implications of losing our meaning and our values um, on our culture and on us, do you think? What are, so, what are some of those implications? Yeah. You know, yeah. Exactly. Today. Yes. Globalism is really kind of one of the key words that is changing everything. I mentioned a bunch of them earlier. It's like we're so like us mm-hmm. here. And this const the contrast is stark, mm-hmm. stark contrast. You yeah. never would have saw that years. No, no, not at all, at all. Well, and you, one of the blind to it. No. Yep. Really I, I can't agree with you more. T- turn with me to First um, Chronicles, um, chapter twelve. You know when uh, when Israel was in uh, when Israel was in the um, in their day. Um, they didn't have uh, you know, motion sensors on the perimeters of Israel, right? <laughs> so what did they have to do? They had to put, um, what's the word on the wall? The wa- a watchman's. The watchman on the wall, watchman 
um, at the right places uh, in, the, in, in the mountains and the hills to, um, to, to keep track of whether the enemy is coming in. And when that would occur, they would, what? They'd sound the alarm. <coughs> I have been um, so, uh, best word I can say, the Holy Spirit has really been heavy, heavy, heavy on me for the last two years, and that's why we started this whole study, that um, Dave and I talked a lot about this, is that um, this church and our, and our church here in, in the United States is not ready for, for what's coming. And we are negligent. Don't prepare for that. And um, we talked about this in our, in our community group leader meeting, which is that um, when this happens, I'm not saying if it happens, when this happens... Our community groups will be those cell groups that um, God's going to use because we can't get together in this church. Call me crazy. Call me, yeah, in my, you know, sometime not in my life. I submit to you, you're wrong. And I submit to you, there's a larger thing going on than we know about. That is something that God is allowing the adversary to facilitate and, and put in place. Why are we so surprised when fiery trials are on, on their way? First Corinthians, First Chronicles, chapter twelve, verse thirty-two. Would somebody read that? Sons of Issachar. What does he? What does the scripture say about these people? These men who, uh, as to the the role that they played in that time, they do. I would suggest that they, they might have been involved in that, but even before that, what did they do? They looked at what? Yeah. So in order to have understanding, they're, they're interpreting the things going on. They're seeing what's happening. And they're able to, quote, discern, right? To go from grayness of a fog to be black and white as to what is really going on at that time. And therefore, what? What to do about it. That's the key thing. What to do about it. Okay? So I, I just want to be a watchman on the wall and faithful to the Holy Spirit who has said, press, press down hard on me about these things and bring to your attention that our lives will never be the same anymore. We may just slowly have this sneak up on us and not be aware. But I'll submit that if we are not ready, then we will not navigate this excellently for the glory of God. And I'll just let it be there. Um, so, when we think about meaning and values, I, I just want to talk about a couple things real quick. First of all, um, I suggest we are right here. And we're different places. Turn your, turn your pages over on the very back and draw this out. Right at a tipping point. And this tipping point is that in this here is our culture and society. Culture and society. And that tipping point has a lot to do with three things. A lot to do with three things. The first is knowledge of God. Knowledge of God. Two is high view of God. Three, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Somebody read verses 1 and 2. 1, 2, and 3. Hebrews 1, 1, 2, and 3. Okay, according to verses 1 and 2, what is, he, what is the author of Hebrews saying? I mean, he's basically framing 
time and what's happened, right? He says, God has what? Spoken through the prophets that He has laid out since the beginning of time. That is the way in which He has messaged to those people on planet Earth, right? And then what does He say? Spoke through His Son. And, it, and, and Jesus says that He came to interpret God to us, right? So the third thing here that I want to bring out is, is the um, person and work of Christ. The knowledge of the holy, having a high view of God. Number three, understanding the person and work of Christ. Okay, I suggest that those are the ingredients that go and, and establish this tipping point of culture and society. Okay, And when this happens, um, there are things on both sides of the house here that, um, that uh, uh, occur. And we've talked about a number of these already. Um, if I start you off, let me start you off and you can help me kind of fill in the blanks maybe. Um, over here, let's just put up here freedom. And let me just put up here what? Freedom and slavery. Okay? So, yeah, 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 right. How do I sell it, right? <laughs> okay? So, Give me some perspectives from your, from, from from you about what is what are the dimensional aspects of this spectrum chart um, as to how this goes. I'll give you another one here: rule of law. What would be over here? Anarchy. What else? Other ones. Sure. Um, how about life, death? Think about this as the kingdom of God, and think about this as the. De facto kingdom of Satan, but, but behind the scenes. Correct. Exactly. Peace, strife, or war. Yes. Order. Chaos. Now you got it going. What else? Okay, good. Getting all the ones I had. Going. Yes. Free will. On which side here? Okay. And what would be on the other side? Yeah. But maybe on this other side, just, you know. No, no choice. Is that what you're thinking? Okay, what else? We put over here, you know, I, I don't know what's the right way to say it. It's not really democracy, but let me just throw it on here um, and put over here this concept of having an elite, um, elite, you know, group of people. The point here is that when, when these go away, because there's always a vacuum and because of the heart of man, there will be these small few who take control and ascend into into um, o having uh, oversight. Um, and you saw this, you know, with Ian, all the other things, right? It's like where there's a vacuum, and we see this going to happen in the end of days, right? Where there's a vacuum, all of a sudden everybody wants some 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 uh, non-anarchy, right? So they will believe in somebody to bring that into existence. What else do you think? Okay. Future over here. Okay. And over there would be... Yeah, I like that better. Yeah. Hope slash future. And over here it's almost like spare. Okay. Um, you know, over here you, you, all, you have this... I don't know how to actually say it, but there's this concept of nobility or noble. Like it's a noble culture. And over here it's like degenerate. 
Right. Right. And you think of Romans 1, right? There's just this downward spiral of, like, stuff going on, right? Okay. Yeah, it's almost like gives life, right? Makes life, yeah. Good. Well, I mean, just to get you started, those are some of the thoughts I had on this. And, and you know, I would suggest that we are at this tipping point right now in our, in our, in our culture, in our society. Um, and uh, w- once you kind of go over this, uh, you're toast because you can't pull it back. The, the pulling back of it has to come then from an outside agency. It won't come from within. Think about the Roman Empire. Think of the Greek Empire. Think about every empire that's ever existed. You, you move through these things pretty quickly. Um, not that they all had this. That's why I think that there was there's just something special you know, that God did on planet Earth for a period of time in this nation. It, it was. He used it for his purposes, his glory. It's never existed before. I mean, the vast majority, 99% of, 95%, 98% of all the, king, all the governments on earth are thoroughly corrupt, thoroughly, you know, um, this way. Um, they've gone way over the tipping point a long time ago um, to do that. Any thoughts or comments, just in closing? Yeah. And, so yep. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And from, with, from within is, is even... You know, Paul said in in Acts twenty, in Acts 20 you know, they will come from within, um, and that's how you destroy a nation. Usually, is the easiest way is from within. Um, you know, and I think I think I, I, you know think about that also just from the standpoint of like, um, as we think about the the readiness of the church and, and preparing ourselves for that which is yet to come. Um, God is uh, the great news is that God has promised to be with us. Of the fire, and um, and I just I just want us to remember. I mean, it, there's there's no, you know, um, there's no nothing coincidental about the fact that um, Michael spoke on on Stephen for the last few weeks. That, that in the global outreach coming up, that we have Voice of the Martyrs. No coincidence here at all. Um, so, um, so I, I, I so I, I want to just point you to this first, which is that um, this is what we've been covering and, and, and talking about in First Peter, which is submission and suffering in, in our civic lives, in our work lives, our home lives, and, uh, and, and now um, in the church. And when we talk about this situation, you know, we're really going from best to worst. And so... Today we navigate over on this side of the spectrum, but as we just all have been talking about, because of what's up here, this thing's changing at light speed. So the question next is then, what's my response? Is it going to be a natural response to these things, or is it going to be a supernatural response to these things? And that's going to be the difference between you know, whether God is glorified in, in my life or not. Um, as I as I go through these things, and I'll suggest that God doesn't take us to the hardest things unless He's prepared us for them first. So don't 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 underestimate what you're going through right now, um, as to why those things are going on to prepare us for something much more. <clears throat> okay, um, our goal today is to uh, look at uh, um, chapter. Um, let's go back to First um, Peter. Um, and we're going to be looking today at, at verses um, 
13 through verse 17. Um, but I'd like to just read, uh, if somebody would open up and read for us just verses um, 13 and 14 and 17. Come back to this in a second. You can read it from up here if you want, or you got it your own Bible. Just thir- 13, 14, and 17 is what we're going to cover today. Okay, so our learning objective that I, I want to give you for this week and next week, it's a two-part series, is all about developing confidence in a hostile world. And the learning objective is this, that we would understand Peter's principles of how believers can develop confidence, okay, develop confidence in the force of growing threats from an unbelieving and ever more hostile world. So that how we as believers would develop confidence, okay, in the face of growing threats from an unbelieving and ever more hostile world. Make sense? We'll have the same learning objective this week and next week. This week I'll cover two of the five things, and next week I'll cover three of the five, the, the last three of the five things. So what are those things? First and foremost is to become passionate about goodness in verse 13. Second is become willing to suffer. We're going to talk about that, those two today. Next week we're going to talk about becoming devoted to Christ. What does that look, look like and mean? Okay. Fourth is to become ready to defend the faith. Become ready to defend the faith. And number five is become pure in conscience. Pure in conscience. I'll suggest all of us are in process on all these things right now. Okay? All of us. And so the issue isn't, you know, do they exist or not? The question is, is where are we on the spectrum? So God wants us to, like, hop the clutch. Okay? He wants us to pop the clutch on these things and take it to the next level and see what that means in, our, in my life personally. Okay? So, become passionate about, God, about goodness. Become passionate about goodness. Halfway down on the second page um, in your notes. <clears throat> become passionate about goodness. Again, this is the first of five ways in which we can learn how to navigate an ever-growing and hostile world. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Paul really asks a rhetorical question here. Obviously, most people, even hostile ones won't harm us for doing what is good. But what he says here, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous? What does the word prove mean, do you think? Any thoughts around that? <clears throat> prove zealous. What, is, what do you think it means to prove? Purify, okay. All right. Purify. To make it pure. Uh, to make it become zealous. Become so it's a, it, it speaks almost of a process, right? You're going from like here to there, right? Um, so prove here means to become. Our character should be in the pursuit of, of, of being, quote, above reproach. Above reproach. Our character should be in the pursuit of becoming above reproach. What does above reproach mean when we think about it in this whole context? Without blame. Why is that important in this in this context that he's talking about? Yep. Under persecution, accusations are going to be on the table. Probably made up, false, possibly, right? And therefore what? The point of this is that those accusations, just like for a leader in the church, okay, they would not stick. It's called Teflon Man. <laughs> okay? It, it, you throw something against it, it just slides off. Why? Because, not because that person's slick, okay, but because they have integrity 
and that they live the way they should. Okay, so that is the key thing, is that when you are brought to bear on, on false claims against you, people look at it and go, are you kidding me? Pat? No way. I know who he, I know who he is. I, I've seen him make decisions. There's no way he would do that. That's how, that's how they, they would speak of that, of that situation. Um, but, but if we don't have that, you can quickly see how that goes south quickly. Because there it was like, well, maybe he bad. I saw him do that. Right? And it, 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 it uh, flows like that. Um, the word zealous means intensity or enthusiasm for a specific cause. Um, we get our word ze- zealots. Zealots. Well, well, how would you uh, describe a zealot? about what they do, yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Although our, our society has come to the place of looking at fanaticism, right, as being zealotry. And they cast the two in the same way. Unless it's football, you're right. But think about it just for our own sake. I mean, don't you want to be a zealot for God? <laughs> I do. Don't you want to be a fanatic for God? I do. Don't you want to, you know, you know, have that kind of a passionate pursuit of Him? Yeah. Why is that bad? It's because our culture is starting to to cast everybody on the two ends of this spectrum as 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 wrong. <laughs> um, right. Right. That's the way it's moving towards. Right. It's the quote right wing wing fanatics or whatever you want to call it. Right. You hear it all the time. I don't know what that means, but. Um, but you do hear this concept of well, your conservatism and, you know, you just, you know, all this other yeah. stuff, right? Narrow-minded, yeah. Uh, you're not progressive, you know. <laughs> Let's use all the language. It's a subtle, it's a subtle way to persecute. persecute. Start the process, exactly. Very much so. And going back to yes. So as you do good, love people who love Yeah. I think that's... Exactly. And... I, you know, I asked the question in, in, the, in, in the notes here. I said, is living with a passion for goodness a guarantee against suffering? Why or why not? Not always, is it? Certainly is an antidote to center example, Stephen. God's going to do what he's going to, going to accomplish his purposes through it. Always be easy. Um, good here refers to a life characterized by generosity, unselfishness, kindness, <coughs> thoughtfulness. Um, look at verses 8 and 9. It kind of gives us a picture of that. Um, Verse chapter 3, you know, to sum up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, fairly kind, and not return evil for evil, the things we just went through, um, all for this very purpose. So to become confident in a hostile world, Peter first asks us to become, quote, fired up. Fired up for what is noble. Fired up for what is good. Fired up for grace. Fired up for the cross. Fired up for the things that matter most in our life. And my question is, if, if I think about what I'm passionate about, like, what am I passionate about? This is the tough question for the heart. Okay, I want, I, I want to talk about the heart right now as we close out this one. Okay, What are you passionate about? Why do you get up every single day? What is it about your life that screams, I am zealous for what is good. I'm zealous for the kingdom of God. I'm zealous for the honor of God. I'm zealous for the, the, the king's name. What is it? Life. That's, 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 that's making that like front and center. If somebody was to bring charges against you, 
and made up charges or, or, or just charges, you know, would they brush off you? Who really knew you? Lived around you? Saw you at work? These are the tough questions, aren't they? I mean, these are the things that I need to, like, own personally. Yeah. 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 And this is why he, the, 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 the verses we just went, finished going through, he says, abhor evil from super glue yourself to the stuff that is way away from the edge. Nobody could even say, really? <laughs> really? Different responses, aren't so, they? So become passionate about goodness. Become willing to suffer. Become willing to suffer. He says, but even if you should suffer, this, this, this language here communicates the idea of perchance or... Um, contrary to what would be expected because of your character is the, is the way it is. For it, um, he says, um, and it connects the, with should suffer, which implies that there is no certainty that, that, that suffering will happen. On the other hand, it implies, uh, on the other hand, it, 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 it might occur in our lives, might occur. Turn with me to First um, Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Somebody read that out loud. We're going to hit some of these verses really quickly. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. Let's do, uh, yeah, 5.10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory will himself restore. Verse 11, 11 also. Okay, perfect. So, I can't remember where else I'm going to run. Um, so, so, speak to me about the, what the process of suffering is for a little while is going to do as a result of God's working in our life, according to verse 10 here. What's it going to do? It will himself what? Okay, so one, restore. Two, what was the second one? Confirm. Confirm. Three is strengthen. Establish. Okay, talk to me what, what these mean. Who's doing the work here, by the way? God is, right? And so because of suffering, going through it, he says, I'm going to accomplish uh, something these four things. What what does it mean to restore? Is there a different word that New American has a different word? Perfect. Yeah, renew, perfect, restore. Okay. Um, what's fascinating to me is that he says, um, uh, God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself. There's this personal involvement here of God through Christ in my life. Don't miss that for a second. But the second is what? He, so he says, I'm going to restore. What That means to, 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 the idea here is to completely equip. Completely equip somebody. I'm going to give you all the tools. Okay? Here. Restore. Two, confirm. What does confirm mean? Validate? Yeah, to, make, to be sure of that God is faithful. It's really the idea of putting the foundation in place. Like to build on. It's It's... It's that I would confirm. I would put the foundation in in your life to be able to be ready. Okay. Third one is strengthen. There's strengthen. What does strengthen mean? Muscles are, are fully developed. Yeah, they're, okay. And they're continuing to okay. Not and stop. Give you ability. Enable. Enabling you. To, right. And then establish. Establish you. Does anybody have a different word? No. Establish. Pardon me? Yes. Place you on a firm foundation. So this is the idea of, of not be moved. Yeah. This idea of not be moved, firm foundation, it also has a dimensional aspect of um, not just put the foundation in place, but bring it to full maturity. To establish the house. Not just the foundation, but the whole house. Bring it all together. Make it all work. 
That's what he says is happening when we go through this. Going to restore us. He's going to confirm us. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to establish us. And the cool thing is, verse 11, don't miss it. It's for the glory of God. It's not for my good feelings. That he would be have the dominion and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Really important. Okay. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 16 through 14. Good. 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Would somebody read that one out loud? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Outwardly we are in far light and troubles for us and eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is... Amen. I tell you, this, these verses are just hope to my soul. Because it just gives me great perspective. It's just for a little time. For a little time. You know, I, I don't know if you've read the book yet. It's called Safely Home from Randy Alcorn. It's one of the best books I've read. Um, Lee Kwan is in there. And Lee Kwan is a humble Chinese peasant who loves God. And uh, um, he uh, is imprisoned and um, goes through some horrendous things. Um, and he uh, taught me something in that book about um, asking the right questions every morning. That question that he asked, asked every morning was, perhaps today's the day. I think I'm going to make different decisions today if I thought today's the day. <coughs> And I'll tell you, um, some of you know the situation, and I'm not going to get into it, but I had that opportunity to um, spend uh, few, some time with, um, in prison and, and, and with a prisoner, and uh, happens to be in a situation where there's uh, 1,500 prisoners, he did, and he's been in two prisons. So it's at least 1,000 to 1,500, it's at least 2,000 to 2,500 prisoners. He has no more, but he hasn't found anybody that walks with God, and, and he has no friends. That's really hard. It's really hard. Um, it says, for the sake of righteousness. This means on the account of truth, or for the sake of the name of, of Christ. For the sake of His name. For the sake of His name. It says, you are blessed. The text here doesn't emphasize the effect, such as happiness or joy that's going to come out of the suffering. But the point here, I, I want you to, don't want you to miss, is it's, it's, it, it has to do with the motive behind why such an honor or a privilege would be bestowed upon us. Think of first John three, you know, behold what manner of love is this that he would be called he would call us his, his that's the same honor to us who suffer. Um, same thing. He says you are blessed. Um, I encourage you to look up a couple of these verses here. Um, but uh, around privilege, you know, you all know James one, two, through four. He says, Blessed is the man who trial. Um, Matthew um, 5, verse 10 through 12. Let's turn there together. Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. Yeah. Yes. Um, All these things. Of Christ- of that church. About yeah, church. church. Not a, it's not a name. And, and that blessing will be forfeited by us. Back to what Dave was saying earlier. It's going to be forfeited by us. Much, much will be required. Um, and I just think about um, uh, you know, this reward, this privilege, this blessing. Um, somebody read Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Amen. The reward in heaven is, is great. It will be great before you already. Romans 5. Romans 5. 
3 and 4. Somebody got that real quick? 5, 3, and 4. Okay. So this process has, this process has um, objective um, milestones along the way that are sequential in nature. Value proposition is worth it. Ends in hope. Talked for the very beginning of First Peter, we have a living hope. Uh, um, Romans 15, you know, the God of all hope. Against all hope, we hope. Yes, very much so. And so that is what God is um, architecting in our souls through this process. Uh, why would we not want those things in the midst of it? Turn to me, with me to Revelation 14. Revelation 14, verses 3 and 4, if you would. Revelation 14, verses 3 and 4. Somebody read that. What does it mean that they were purchased from among men? What does that language mean? Who are these people, by the way? They're martyrs. They're the 144,000 martyrs. Yes. And he says they've been purchased among men as, quote, first fruits to God and to the Lamb. Martyrs were first fruits of martyrs, martyrdom for the Lamb and for God. That's an honor. Such an honor that experientially they sang a song that no one else could sing. Why couldn't the other people? I, I mean, I could read the words, I can sing the song. It's a song. Why is it that the song is. One that only they can sing, do you think? Pardon me? The heart song. It's a song of experience. They went through else that didn't sing it in the same way. No one else could do that. And do not fear their intimidation. And do not fear their fear. Don't be intimidated by unbelievers who would persecute you. You know, in the same situation, you know, talking to this prisoner, he, he's very clear. He said, you know, there's lots of stuff going on. <laughs> I try to stay out of that. He has the ability to defend himself. He said, I will not fight. Because um, God has protected me till time that, that that shield of protection goes down. That I will not fight. I will trust God that he will deliver me. Not here in glory, in glory. Do not be troubled. Literally means to not be shaken or stirred up. Do not be troubled. Do not be shaken. Fear God, not me. Not, not men. Don't be stirred up. Don't be agitated. Don't 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 feel the agita within my my stomach when that happens. Don't go there. Trust in God. You know, when I think of Dave's sermon, I can't help but remember it. Um, Joshua chapter one, three times he says, "Be strong of, and of great courage." He said, "How are you going to navigate this when you enter? The, not have this kind of but, this uh, fear." Says. In order to be strong and of great courage, remember these three things. First and foremost, remember God's promise. Put it down here. Remember God's promise. What is God's promise? Say, never, Hebrews 12, I mean, Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. God's promise. Second of all, he says, um, uh, to, remember, to, to, to remember God's word. Follow it. God's word. Third thing he, he said to remember was, was God's uh, presence. God's presence will be with you. So he says, um, remember God's promise. Remember God's word. Obey it. Don't let anything stick to you. Live in integrity and purity. Most importantly, I will be with you. I will be with you through the fire. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But let it be known, O king... <laughs> Let it be known, O King. So, if God should will it so, 
um, verse 17, if you look at that real quick with me, closing. Verse 17, he says, um, For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for what is right, doing what is right than what is wrong. He says it is better for you to, if God wills it so. What's important about the words, if God wills it so? It's in his hands. It's in his hands. Oh my goodness. It's in his hands. It's the the same thing he says in chapter 1 of Peter. He says, if even now you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. God's got his hand right where it's on the throttle. He knows where it is. Always there. He knows our situations. So, um, if God should will it so, why would you, why is it more, what are the two decisions you have when you're going through a situation? In, in, according to verse 17. Only two possibilities. What's the first one? Suffer for doing what's right. In other words, navigate it well, excellently. Far better to get in the situation and make this choice, he says. Do it for the glory of God. You're going to go through it anyway. <laughs> it's not the same situation, but I couldn't help but make the, draw the analogy as I watched the final 20 minutes of... Uh, William Wallace uh, Braveheart on um, Friday night. And, you know, as he's being ripped to shreds his stomach, right, and he cries what? Freedom, right? I couldn't help but think of this setting here. Um, Far better to navigate it well. He was given a great opportunity to not, right? He was given a great opportunity to take the potion, to be numbed to the situation, to, to recant, to give in. But what did he say? I won't have gone through this excellently. Granted, he wasn't a believer. I don't know if he was a believer or not, but I mean, it was a different situation. Do the right thing. Have the situation. It's not going to change. God has so ordained it for my life. But am I, am I going to choose to navigate it for his glory and his purposes and therefore uses that? Or am I going to, and, and I do it supernaturally, not naturally, supernaturally, or am I going to choose to Sin in the process. Therefore, it doesn't bring any value whatsoever. That's my choice. I want us to be ready for this. If we're not ready, then shame on us. We've been given all the tools, all the perspective, all the forewarnings. The watchman's been on the wall. Ready. Rather than doing what is wrong. This one is to just receive the just outcome of disobeying the word. Disobeying God's word. I didn't get a chance to go through it, but I, at the beginning of our time next week, I want to talk about the value of suffering and what it means when he says it is blessed to do this and experience it this way. I want to give you um, five different things that um, come out of it. If these are outcomes down here, what's the value proposition? Any thoughts or comments in closing? Amen. Any other thoughts? Yeah, and I'll I'll just give you one one thing in closing. Then Brian, I mean, if you could pray for us, um, just this friend in prison. He says, he says, Mark, really easy to live for Christ here. Uh, there's no the way I do it. Is I call everything what it really is. focus on what matters. Amen. Have a great day. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. How are you? Okay, good. Part of that is obvious thing. Exactly. That's what Brian's point is. It's like, you know, 
we're just being chipped away. You know, it's like the frog in the pot, right? It's like. But I see. Well, you know, Oh, they made the decision already, right? Yes. Can we need to put two tables up? Can anybody help with that, possibly? Or yeah, no lie, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, if I could, like in the middle with uh, rounded, if I could get some help on that, that'd be great. How are you, Caesar? Thanks for even offering to come to bring me up last night, man. Appreciate it very much. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, those two. Okay. Yeah. Which? Oh. Yeah, those two. Yep. Let's go on here. Uh, yeah, probably a portion of them. And which way should they run? Two chair. The two tables would be one here and then one there, going that way. on a side or two, three, three or four, something like that. Yeah, it's easier to write on, isn't it? It's really a lot easier to write on. Is that room so full that you can't use it? Or? Uh, 601's being used by the Hot Topics class. Right. Oh. So they have another group in there. Perfect, thank you. That was a lot easier than uh, <laughs> having to do it myself. I was thinking of going to that. Yeah, it's good. I was next door and it looked too crowded. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Far too thick, more you dwell on Bigger problem. Yeah, I know. It's like, really? Uh-huh. Uh oh, you think that? Yeah. And, uh, Start putting labels on it. Exactly. You're in <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> how, was, how was your week? Yeah, pretty good. Good morning. Yeah, last night at one o'clock this morning or something like that. <laughs> no, I was I was I was down in Florida. Um, I was uh, I was with Gabe and Phyllis. Oh. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, it went really well. Um. So that's really what I was talking about this morning. 